Welcome to the University of California, San Francisco Sports Medicine Podcast, featuring Dr. Nira Fundia, Dr. Brian Feely, and Dr. Drew Lansdowne, discussing hot topics in sports medicine and society. We hope you enjoy our podcast and look forward to hearing from you. Okay, welcome everyone to the UCSF Sports Medicine Podcast, six to eight weeks with myself, Dr. Nira Fundia, Dr. Brian Feely, and Dr. Drew Lansdowne. We are doing this podcast during spring break, so Dr. Lansdowne is not available today. But myself and Dr. Feely are here, and with Major League Baseball starting again, I think it's important to kind of get a refresher on what exactly are some of the injuries we see, particularly Tommy John surgery. So Brian, first question for you. We, we hear a lot of things about Tommy John, ulnar collateral ligaments, all these various terms, elbow injuries. Can you maybe break down a little bit what exactly is a Tommy John injury and what the surgery is? Yeah, I think especially with baseball season starting and we start looking at players coming back from last year or even two years ago at this point. I think it's nice to understand what this is. This is probably, as far as sports medicine goes, it's probably this and ACL surgeries that have really revolutionized um, modern sports medicine and how we get athletes back on the field. So a Tommy John injury or an injury to your ulnar collateral ligament is the main ligament on the inside of your elbow. So if you feel your elbow and you feel that bump right near where your funny bone is, right above that is your ulnar collateral ligament. And that's the primary restraint or primary static restraint, meaning it doesn't, it's not a muscle that keeps your elbow from bending open. So when you're a pitcher, you put a tremendous amount of stress on this. Every time you get into your early um, throwing mechanics, so much so that if you didn't have the muscles on top of it, you would rupture it the first time you threw hard. Um, Tommy John was a pitcher in the 1970s who famously right after Sandy Koufax was essentially finished his career with, which was, with probably a chronically unstable elbow, he injured his ulnar collateral ligament and went to the, what is currently the Curlin Job Clinic and they decided to do a ulnar collateral reconstruction where they gave him a new ligament in that area. Very similar um, now, this is the hardest part of this is not the surgery. It is a, what I would consider a moderately technically demanding surgery. It is a doable procedure, but the rehab as we'll probably talk about is pretty daunting. It's a 12 to 18 month recovery. And, you know, for a lot of people who, who suffer this injury, I think there's just misconception that you get the surgery done so you can throw faster. Um, afterwards, or that you'll, you'll be better afterwards when we talk about outcomes. And I think you touched on that. It's the rehab process of it that I think a lot of players may tear their UCL, not just from overuse or from poor mechanics. And by doing the rehab process, they actually come back and, and throw better. Have you found that in your experience as well too, Brian, that a lot of these players come back better, not necessarily because the surgery, but because of the rehab? Yeah, I think it's tough because I think when I think about these athletes, I think about them in two buckets. One, I think about them in the major league baseball bucket, which includes probably collegiate athletes, um, minor league players, and major league players who are essentially, for better or worse, they are probably getting paid to perform even at the college level in one way, shape, or form. And then I think about the youth athletes who have a probably a much different uh, access to care and rehabilitation protocol. I think for a pro level, the assumption is that these people get back and by and large, most of them do. And I think pioneers in the field of ulnar collateral surgery like Neil Elitrosh and um, David Alchek and uh, Jimmy Andrews have shown that like if you have a well done 
uh, ulnar collateral ligament in the absence of other injuries, um, you will probably get back. Uh, way back when, Drew and I did a study back in 2014 that we showed that that even though you get back, you actually aren't quite the same pitcher. You lose about two thirds of a mile an hour off your fastball, um, especially if you're older. So in younger patients, you went from 91 to 90 miles an hour, which isn't a huge difference. Um, but if you were older, so if you're old, older than 35 and you have a Tommy John surgery, you drop from 91 to 89, um, which is probably a little bit more significant at that level. The other thing that was interesting is although the other velocities changed, pitchers threw fewer innings following the reconstruction um, and they had fewer wins above replacement above th their pre-injury state. So I think for pros, they get back, but they're not exactly the same. What's your experience with younger athletes, especially like the high school athletes that injure their own or collateral? It's, I think it's tough for them. I think for a lot of them, you know, they're that critical phase where suffering that injury kind of then derails their potential to then pitch in college, particularly with the year, year and a half recovery. I think for a lot of these kids, we can help eliminate that because it's usually a lot of mechanical issues. They're, you know, they don't have rotation in their shoulder. They're throwing with a, you know, weird mechanical kind of type of form. So I find with them, a lot of them, you know, when you talk to them and say, hey, you can get the surgery done, we can go through the recovery process, it's going to be a year, year and a half. And a lot of them say, you know what, I'm not going to get this fixed, I'm going to stop pitching. And so I think for a lot of kids, I think we have this common misconception that Tommy John is, is, is you know, ulnar collateral ligament means you're going to get surgery. I see for the vast majority of the kids in my clinic who I see who are not necessarily high level pitchers, we usually treat them non-operatively. Um, where I do see a lot of them in, is in football players. They'll have an elbow dislocation, they'll tear their UCL or they're another kind of athlete. So I think that with the appropriate rehab, assuming that they're not a high level pitcher, most younger athletes can get back to play. I think when you get that 14, 15, 16 year old who is getting that injury, then it's really a discussion with the family. Like, are you willing to go through this whole year, year and a half rehab process to get back? Unfortunately, we're seeing younger and younger patients need that conversation, but I think if they are motivated and they are a higher level pitcher, they can get back. But I think for the vast majority of people, they're not going to be that 1% to make it. So to go through that big surgery is not necessarily worth it. Yeah, for sure. What do you, in terms of, you know, older individuals, so, you know, individuals who may suffer this injury from a fall or, or et cetera, what's the general rehab process for a, an everyday person who suffers this injury and, and wants to get back to just doing recreational activity? So I think for older patients, we tend to see this in a traumatic fall. I see it sometimes in snowboarders where it'll be their upper arm that gets caught on an icy slope. And just for instance, I, can, I had a construction worker last year that fell and dislocated their elbow. For the vast majority of people, they can get back non-operatively. And I think um, importantly, it's, it's relevant to tell patients and even recreational athletes, if you are not throwing at high velocity or with a considerable amount of weight, so like a shot putter or javelin thrower, you probably don't need a reconstructed ulnar collateral ligament, especially in the setting of an elbow trauma. So the biggest risk when you are an adult with elbow trauma is stiffness, not instability. And the other thing I tell patients is we can always do an ulnar collateral ligament reconstruction down the line if you feel unstable. The thing we need to make sure is that you don't get stiff because for an elbow, that's the hardest thing um, to, to essentially get better over time. Um, one, one thing I'm curious about in terms of looking at youth athletes, and I know this is one of the things that you really like talking about, are we actually seeing an increase in 
ulnar collateral ligament injuries and surgery in youth athletes? And if so, why do you think that is? Absolutely. I think it's one of the, even more so than ACL surgery, which we talk about a lot. I think ulnar collateral ligament surgery, the the youngest group that is the one that has the most increase in injuries itself. And I think it's not only the fact that we're seeing more of it in that the 14 to 18 year old age range, it's a fact that we're seeing an increase in the younger and younger age group. So that 13, 14, 15 year old age range. And I think a lot of that has to do with year-round sports, sports specialization, these kids basically throwing all the time, year round, again and again and again. And rather than giving their arm rest, they're basically pitching at showcases, they're throwing curve balls, they're throwing breaking balls, um, they're throwing all these various pitches and trying to get that scholarship and trying to throw faster and faster and faster. And what they're doing is they're tearing their ligament at 13, 14, or 15. And I think when you think back to like some of the, the pitchers of years past, the Nolan Ryans, the Greg Maddoxes, and just how much they threw. I think the difference for a lot of these kids is that they hear Nolan Ryan said he threw, you know, this many pitches in a season. The fact was that when he was 12, 13, 14, or 15, he wasn't throwing that much. So the fact is the injuries we're seeing now that occurred in major league pitchers when they were 21, 22, 23, it's now shifted back because kids are playing a lot, a lot more at a much younger age. So I think if, if a, a, you know, a parent comes in with their kid and says, how can we prevent this from happening? I say, look, you have to take time off, play other sports, and just rest your arm. The more mileage that you have on that arm, the more likely um, it's going to be a, a difficulty as well, too. But I think also one group that's forgotten is softball players as well, too. They're throwing athletes as well. Um, what do you think, Brian, about that? I know you coach softball. You have daughters who play softball. Um, what, are, what are some of those injuries that you see in softball players from a ligament standpoint? Yeah, it's funny. There's, um, I just reviewed a paper that talked about, um, did a literature review, and the fact that there's essentially no studies on softball is really surprising. And I think part of it is the assumption is that windmill pitch is a quote-unquote natural throwing motion, which it absolutely isn't. Um, And the fact that either girls are just better throwers than athletes, which might be possible, or that the stresses are just playing different on the arm and that there's a little bit more, um, I don't want to say emphasis on mechanics, um, but there is a lot of technical know-how in the windmill pitch that is probably passed on maybe at the same level, if not a little bit better. I think for softball, the stresses tend to go more to the shoulder and the biceps labrum complex. So we see fewer elbow injuries, but we see more shoulder injuries. And the unique thing about softball is there are no pitch counts. And if you ever watch a little league baseball game and your child is the good pitcher, um, the other team is making sure that those pitch counts are not not overflowing and they are going to be held, especially if they're good pitchers. The other team is going to make sure that your pitcher stays below those pitch counts. There's no pitch counts for softball. There's no regulations. USA Softball says essentially you can pitch until your arm fatigues. And most of the research shows that softball pitchers are subject to the same injury rates as baseball pitchers. They have year-round seasons. They have the same risk of burnout. The main difference is there are just not enough softball pitchers available on individual rosters. So you don't, they haven't gone to that level of regulation. Yeah, and you mentioned softball. And, you know, myself, I mean, you know, track and field background, we see it a lot in javelin throwers and shot putters, as you mentioned, as well too, discus throwers. So I think there are these other subgroups who suffer these injuries, but we just don't have as much data or there's a much press associated around it as well too. But I think it is something we need to definitely consider in, in you know, throwing athletes. Why do you think, Brian, we don't see it in quarterbacks as much? I mean, they're throwing a lot, um, you know, sometimes even more per week than a pitcher. Do you think it has to do with the mechanics or the, the, 
ball or the velocity they're throwing with? Yeah, I think the mechanics are totally different. So if you look at how a quarterback throws, it is, I don't want to say it's more with the hips, but it is less of a force on the elbow. So quarterbacks are subjective to all sorts of forces, but it is categorically an order of magnitude to two orders of magnitude lower on the elbow. Um, and when you think about a quarterback, sometimes there's touch passes, sometimes there's more of a lob pass. Every single time a major league baseball pitcher throws, even their off-speed pitch hit, hits the mid-80s. And if you've ever tried to hit mid-80s um, when you go to a carnival, it's really hard to get to unless you're that unique individual. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, so we talk about mechanics and you know building the perfect pitcher. And there's obviously there's been trends over the years are there things that you can see in athletes that make you think well this person would be a good pitcher or this person definitely would not be a good pitcher something about their anatomy or physiology that you can pick up early on yeah i think that's a great question i mean i think you one of the things i i think that gets forgotten for a lot of these young athletes is their core their lower body strength so if i have an athlete that comes in that you know has great core strength great lower body strength and you kind of mentioned that with the quarterbacks using your your lower body to generate velocity. I think that makes a good pitcher. Um, I think someone who has a lot of flexibility in their arm as well, too. So if you could take, you know, we here in the Bay Area use Tim Lincecum as an example. I mean, he had a ridiculous amount of flexibility. And even though he wasn't very muscular, he definitely had a lot of core strength. So I think having core strength and flexibility are key. Um, but I think most importantly, I think is someone who plays multiple different sports. I know we, we harp on that a lot, but I think some of the best pitchers that I've seen at least go through my clinic are the kids who, you know, pitch, but then they also play basketball or they play another sport. So they basically are fine tuning those other motor skills that you can't from just playing baseball year round, pitching, pitching, and pitching more. So I think a well-rounded athlete, good lower extremity strength. And the way I like to describe pitching to my young athletes is that you're your elbow and your arm are basically just uh, something that's going to hold the ball and everything else is what's generating the velocity. Um, and I think too often young pitchers, when they get to be that 13, 14 or 15 age, they're trying to generate all this velocity from their elbow and that's where things go wrong. So I think it's the ability to do that. And, and I think most importantly, you know, I think it's the ability to know when you're sore and to stop. So when an athlete knows their body and they come into my clinic and like, look, these are the things that hurt me. I don't want to damage my elbow. I don't want to, uh, you know, take that risk. That's probably one of the most important things is having that self-awareness to say, look, this hurts. I'm going to stop. Cause the line, as you know, the line between being sore and being seriously injured with the elbow is very, very thin. And I think athletes need to have that uh, understanding of their body. Yeah, I think there was a really nice study that came out um, two years ago um, that was written by uh, Mike Freehill, who's up at the University of Michigan. And the number one predictor of an elbow injury was previous arm pain and elbow pain. Other predictors were pitching over 100 innings, being younger and pitching. Um, training more than 16 hours a week. And if you think about that, if you're 12 and you find 16 hours a week to train for one sport, that's tough to do. Um, and then there's some really good studies that come out of the Japanese literature who have a much more systematic view of how to evaluate their pitchers. And over and over, the things that come up are core strength and hip flexibility. So in a perfect world, if we were to talk about prevention, you know, I think coaches would start with a program that builds elbow flexion strength. So the muscles that protect your ulnar collateral ligament, which can be done pretty simply with just a light weight, um, but mainly looking at core stability early on in the season and in the preseason. And that's planks, side planks, 
um, squats, lunges, building your quads and your lower back muscles, and then getting your hips as flexible as possible. Um, what do you think about getting a professional pitching coach? Do you think that's helpful or hurtful for young pitchers? That's a great question. I, I think it depends on what the pitching coach, um, you know, kind of looking at what their what their philosophy is. And I think that for when I get a pitching coach that comes in that's willing to really look at mechanics and look to see what are things that you are doing that can that's causing you to be injured. I think that's a great person to get because for me, you know, I can identify. Um, you know, you look, you have a rotation deficit in your shoulder, you have poor core strength, you're et cetera. But I think when it comes to fine tuning the mechanics, a, a good pitching coach is important to identify injury risk. I think when you get pitching coaches that come in to say, I'm going to improve your performance, or I'm going to teach you how to throw faster. I think that's where the, where, where the problem comes in. So I think vetting the pitching coach and kind of then working with them, if you, especially if you're a clinician taking care of these injuries to say, look, these are the things I'm worried about. Can you help prevent them from getting injured, I think it's important, but I think too many pitching coaches out there are just there to basically promote themselves and to promote throwing faster, throwing pitches that move more. And that's where, where things can get a little bit problematic. How about you, Brian? I mean, do you see that in softball as well too? Are there softball coaches in terms of pitching as well? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, for better or for worse, we've gone through a slew of them, um, especially for my older daughter. And I, you're totally right. The ones that emphasize fun, um, core strength and stability, and then kind of nerding out over the fine tuning of mechanics rather than how many pitches can you throw in an afternoon, um, I think are, uh, are going to be the better and safer coaches and probably get the kids farther along. Um, by and large, my experience in kids that it really enjoy sports and the coaches that they really like to work with are the coaches that emphasize the fun and the fact that it is still a sport not something that needs to be taken seriously. And the kids that really seem to have fun, win or lose, are the ones that end up, I think, going a lot farther in, in the sport. Yeah. Um, I wanna ask you about myths of ulnar collateral ligament injury and surgery. So what is your favorite thing that you hear from either coaches, parents, or athletes regarding um, this injury? Yeah, I think the number one thing I hear the most is, you know, kids will come in, they'll have like maybe a little sprain or a partial injury. And then the coach or the parent will say, look, it's better just to have the surgeon completely take it out and put a brand new ligament back in so you can throw faster. Um, so I think there's, because we've gotten so good with rehab, our, the surgical techniques are so well, um, is that there's this, there's the misconception that you'll, you, you know, just blow out your elbow and you'll come back better, just throw, throw and throw. So I think, the misconception of getting better after a UCL surgery needs to be kind of put aside because as you know, with the rehab, they're working on those things that we talk about are important core strength, stability, all these other things that they didn't work at before. So we're just basically putting a ligament in that's a tether to you do, you know, extending your elbow too much. You get better because of all the other things you work on. So I think that it's still a serious injury. The misconception that everyone gets back from it, I think is false. Um, you know, yeah, if you look just at major league pitchers, a lot of them will get back to that same level, but they're the, you know, the one of the 1% who can do that. But there's still a lot of people whose careers are ended because of that. And uh, we need to, you know, dispel that misconception that it's just something that you just, you get done and you go back to playing. Yeah, I think my favorite is that it's only because you were throwing curveballs and sliders at a young yeah. age. Right, yeah. And I think there was initial evidence that suggested that may be the case, but more recent evidence from um, the American Sports Medicine Institute, which is where Jimmy Andrews and his um, really outstanding group of sports medicine um, researchers and surgeons work, shows that... Um, 
it's the number of pitches, previous elbow paint, and how hard you're trying to throw. It's not a curveball. It's not a slider. Um, and mechanics are really important. So that idea that you can throw as hard as you want, as fast as you want, the actual torque on your on your elbow is higher with people throwing fastballs than it is a curveball and slider. May, it Probably it's a little bit of a confounding factor when you think about the kids that were 10, 11, trying to throw good curveballs and sliders were probably the ones that were just throwing more in general. So I think now what I tell kids is it doesn't matter what you're trying to throw. I would, if you're really going to go out and pitch a lot, I would really try to focus on off-speed pitches, pulling the batter. Um, there's nothing better than striking somebody out on an off-speed pitch that's about where the batter swings three seconds before the ball even crosses the plate. Yeah, I think there's this overemphasis on velocity and movement a lot and the the whole kind of mental part of things like the Greg Maddoxes of the world who really outthought a lot of batters. Um, I think that we that's kind of gone away as well, too. So I think that this emphasis on analytics and, you know, speed and all these other things the pitchers are, are, are kind of concentrating on as opposed to let me use my mind to get this batter out. And it doesn't necessarily mean if I'm throwing 92 versus 94, it doesn't really make a difference. So a lot, lot, lot for us to, to emphasize. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I'll point out is that um, over the last 30 years, there's been over 500 Major League Baseball players that have had Tommy John surgery. So it's not necessarily a rite, in pa rite of passage, but that's about one in four. And that, that is increasing over time. So that doesn't mean you should just have it. It means we need to train our youth athletes better not and work more on prevention and core stability and strength not let's just blow out your arm because that's the path to the major leagues. Exactly. Right. Well, once again, everyone, thanks for, for joining us for our podcast. Hopefully this, this season we'll have our, a full major league season. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, the kind of the COVID past year has affected, uh, you know, the rate of uh, UCL injuries in these athletes. But once again, it's an injury that's serious and that uh, we do have treatment options for, but hopefully the, the best, the best treatment is to never have the injury in the first place. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you for listening to the University of California, San Francisco Sports Medicine Podcast featuring Dr. Nero Fundia, Dr. Brian Feely, and Dr. Drew Lansdowne. We look forward to hearing your feedback and hope you look forward to our next episode. Thank you.